what he's doing this morning. Excellent, awesome, good. Definitely have fall in the air. And we have an echo in the room. Uh, just again, before we begin, just want to highlight the Christmas boxes. It's hard to believe, but Chris, we kind of just skip Thanksgiving and you just go right to Christmas. And, uh, but uh, it's an excellent, excellent way to reach people for Jesus Christ in a very simple way, just by grabbing some boxes, filling them up. There's also a track put in them, and they go all around the world. So please, just as you're walking out, just grab one of those Christmas boxes. You might be surprised at how you can touch a life with something so simple as taking a box, filling it, uh, and it's not just the toys that you put in, it's the love that you put behind it, the prayers that you put behind it, and lives are touched. So just want to challenge you with that before we move to the word and communion this morning. There was a Jewish rabbi, and there was a Catholic priest, and they were good friends, and One day they were kind of at a party slash picnic together and the Catholic priest grabbed a ham sandwich, he began to eat it and he said to the Jewish rabbi, you know, this thing's delicious. I know you're not allowed to eat it, but for the life of me, I can't understand why something so good would be forbidden by your religion. When will you just break down and try a ham sandwich? And the Jewish rabbi, without missing a beat, said, I will at your wedding. Some of you might need to think about it. Well, this morning we're going to continue our study in the book of Ephesians, and I have a very imaginative title, Real Blessings Part 2, Real Blessings Part 2. Father, I do love the gift of humor, and I just thank you for this beautiful day, this awesome day. And I thank you for each person that is here. And I pray that it'll be an incredible experience of your presence this morning and your power. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head, that I would truly be filled with the Holy Spirit and that I would speak your words, words of life, because that's what we need, Lord God. Your words do bring life. And so I pray that we will experience your life this Redemption, being redeemed. I can't think of anything more marvelous, anything more precious than to hear that you've been redeemed, that I've been redeemed, redemption. In fact, this is the third great blessing the believer receives from God. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 this, in him, that is in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance, with the, in accordance with the riches of his grace, which he has freely, freely lavished on the believer. In the New Testament, there are three words that uh, are translated redemption. The apostle Paul, in this case, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, employs the word Apolutrosis. And apolutrosis, that Greek word, it literally means the pain of a ransom in order to set a person free. Apolutrosis, the pain of a ransom price in order to set a person free. 
The clear picture being drawn is the pain of a slave on a slave block in order to set them free. You know, I think the greatest love story ever is not found in secular literature at all. It is actually found in the Old Testament. In 725, there was a man by the name of Hosea. And Hosea marries a woman by the name of Gomer. Now, Gomer, interestingly enough, means perfect. So she must have been perfect. She must have been a very, very beautiful woman. And I have no doubt on their wedding day that Hosea and Gomer, as they're looking at one another, they have great dreams for their marriage. They they see a great future together. And things really start out well in their marriage. In fact, she's pregnant very soon after their wedding night. And she gives birth to a son. And after a little while, she's pregnant again. And this time she gives birth to a daughter. And very shortly after that, she's pregnant again. And this time she gives birth to another son. You might say things are going very well with Hosea and Gomer. In fact, they have the makings of a wonderful family and a tremendous future with that family. And then one day, Hosea comes home and he sees the table, the kitchen table, and he sees a note on it. And he looks at the note and it's a Dear John letter. It's from Gomer. She's informing Hosea that she's leaving him. She's leaving the three children. She hasn't been happy, she says, for a while. And she's found another man. She's found another lover, someone else's arms to go into that she believes will make her happy. And to add insult to injury, the man, the lover that she has found that she's leaving Hosea for is in the same town that Hosea And the three children live. Hosea is totally devastated. He can hardly get up in the morning. But what keeps him going is those three children. Hosea becomes the laughing stock of the town. Not only has his wife rejected him, but I didn't tell you, Hosea is a prophet. Hosea is a preacher, and it seems as if God himself has rejected Hosea by allowing this to happen to him. He's never experienced such despondency in his life. It's one thing to be rejected by a person, but to be rejected by God. There's no greater darkness and despondency than that. Hosea's humiliation is not over. Hosea soon hears that Gomer has left the man that she left him for. And she has now found another lover. And she's run into that lover's arms. And then after another several months, Hosea hears that Gomer's left that lover and she's run into the arms of another lover. Hosea just simply can't believe it. Hosea is totally devastated. He can't even leave the house anymore. Could you imagine being in that situation? The ridicule and the derision are just unrelenting. And then one day, Hosea, he's walking in the marketplace. He has to go to the marketplace. And he goes and picks up 
some things that he needs. And he walks by the slave block, and, and it's a crowd around the slave block, and he hears the auctioneer cry out, anyone, will anyone pay five silver shekels for this female slave? And somehow Hosea feels compelled, strangely compelled, to go over and see what is happening. And he sees this woman, this female slave on the slave block. She's naked. She's disheveled. Her face is gaunt. And Hosea looks at her and he, and he thinks, you know, I know this woman. I know this woman, but he can't quite place the woman. So he moves a little closer. And as he gets a little closer and a little closer, suddenly it dawns on him. It's Gomer. It's his wife. She has become a slave. And Gomer is a shell of a woman that she once was. You know something? Sin will do that to you. Sin will not only darken and destroy your soul. Sin has a way of just taking away your vitality, your physical vitality. It can actually harden your physical visage. Hosea experiences a flood of emotions in that moment. Can you imagine just being Hosea? And there he sees his wife on that slave block. There are hundreds of people around, and she is stripped naked. They know who's on that slave block, and there is Hosea in the crowd, and he experiences revulsion. He experiences shame. He experiences vengeful feelings. Gomer's getting what she deserves. May her pain be as great is my pain. And then all of a sudden, in that crowd, God speaks to Hosea. Hosea hasn't heard the voice of God now for many, many months. Not only was he abandoned by his wife, but worst of all, like I said, Hosea felt like he was abandoned by God himself in his greatest hour of need. But suddenly God shows up. And he says this to Hosea. Hosea chapter 3 and verse 1. He says this. And the Lord spoke to Hosea, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. Now how many of you think here that that's what Hosea wanted to hear? You know, I have a wife. My wife's name is Susan. And Susan has said to me on numerous occasions, Frank, if you ever, ever commit adultery, I will forgive you, but realize this, I will leave you and you will probably be missing some body parts on top of it. (laughs) Now, how would you like that as a little motivation to stay faithful to your spouse? Now, here is the incredible part of that story. In verse 2 of Hosea chapter 3, we're told this. So I, that is Hosea, bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Every time I read this story, I am absolutely blown away. This woman breaks her marital vows, not once, not twice. 
at least several times. In fact, she breaks her marital vow so often she is referred to as a prostitute. And not only that, she abandons her three children. And as I said earlier, she doesn't do this in some town across the country. She does it in the very town that Hosea and the three children reside. Gomer absolutely humiliates Hosea. But I want you to know this morning that Gomer's freedom was not free. Gomer's freedom was not free. It has been said, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin put Gomer on that slave block. Now, I think if I had been Hosea, my response would have been, Gomer's getting what she deserves. She made her bed. Let her lie in it. God, though, says to Gomer, Hosea, listen to this. I want you to redeem Gomer. I want you to pay the ransom price for in front of hundreds of people where you have been humiliated. I want you to set her free by taking her back as your wife. Do you know who Gomer is? Gomer is you. Gomer is you. Gomer is you and you and me. And you know who Hosea plays? God. God. And let me tell you something. We have all chased our lovers. We have all prostituted ourselves. We have gone after so many, many lovers. We have cheated God by running after the lover of money. Or maybe your lover is material things. Or maybe your lover is just being comfortable. Maybe your lover is your job. Maybe your lover is just a very, very special relationship that you hold dear. Maybe your relationship is sports. Or maybe your relationship is food or sex or television or movies. Or maybe your lover is alcohol and drugs. But in the end, I want you to know that your lover, just like it did to Gomer, your lovers will enslave you. And I love what Paul says, though, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. He said, God looked out, God the Father looked out, and he saw you, and he saw you, and he saw you, and he saw you, and he saw me, and he saw us on the slave block of sin. We were enslaved. We were fearful. We were without complete hope. And do you know what God the Father did? He redeemed us, it said. He paid the ransom price for our sin. And do you know what that price was? Skip, will you put it up? I want you to see what that price was. That is the price for your freedom. That was the ransom price that God had to pay for your freedom and your freedom and your freedom and your freedom. It was the ransom price that he had to pay for my freedom. The perfect, precious blood of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me that God doesn't love you. God does love you. He loves you so much. He paid the ransom price so that you and you and you and you 
and me don't have to live in slavery anymore, but we can live in absolute and total freedom. Now, do you know how the story ends? Do you know how the story ends? Let me tell you how it ends. Hosea chapter 3 and verse 3. Listen to this. Then I, remember the I is Hosea. He's a picture of God the Father. It says, then I, Hosea said to Gomer, you must live in my house for many days. Now watch this. And stop your prostitution. Hosea tells Gomer, I did not redeem you. I did not set you free so that you would go back and be enslaved again. You know, one of the great, great heresies that we find today here in the American church and in American Christianity. We believe that the good news is about Jesus Christ dying on the cross. You saw his precious blood. And what his precious blood does is when I believe in that, then I am redeemed, I am set free, and I get my hell out of my get out of hell free card. So, you know, in essence, the good news for most people, the good news is this: is that I do not have to go to hell, but I can be in heaven because of the precious blood of Jesus. Now, I want to say there's partial truth there, but not total truth. Do you know that there is a faith? There is a faith that does not lead to redemption in you experiencing redemption. There is a faith that will leave you and separate you from God and leave you in hell. Does you know that? In fact, I think Jeff did an excellent job yesterday, or last week, about talking about that. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 2 and verse 19. Skip, can you put that up? Now listen to this. He says, you say that you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble. We have to understand that there is a faith that doesn't save you. There is a faith that does not redeem you, allow you to experience that redemption that God has. There is a faith that does not allow you to tap into the incredible love of God. Now watch what Peter says in 2 Peter. Please don't miss this. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verses 20 and 22. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world, so he's talking about, you know, in quote believers, by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would have been better. Now watch this. It would have been better had they never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a... Come on. Come on, to live a... They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit, and another says, a wash pig returns to the mud. Do you understand what Peter's saying here? Please look at this. Do you understand what Peter is saying here? Peter is saying that when Jesus Christ, that picture, I don't know if you can put it back up, Skip, but when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he wasn't just paying for your penalty for sin. 
Do you understand the blood that you see, the precious, perfect blood of Jesus, was a lot more than just about paying for the penalty of sin. He was paying for the power of sin. There on the cross, he was paying so that you and I could be set free. In other words, when you really believe and you've encountered the living Christ and his blood and his redemption, it sets you free. It changes you. It changes me. Do you understand that? So here's my question before communion. Are you changing? Now, can you honestly say, think back five years ago. Think back 10 years ago. Think back 15 years ago how you were. Can you honestly say that you're changing? Because see, if you're changing, then you're genuinely Jesus called born again. You've really experienced the redemptive power of his blood. His redemption not only pays for your penalty of sin so that you're forgiven, but more importantly, his redemption pays for the power of your sin in setting you free. You don't have to live the way you do or I do. It changes you. Father, as we move towards communion, in him we have redemption. May we now, as we move towards communion, really begin to experience the fullness of the power of what it means to be redeemed people. May we really begin to live like redeemed people, I ask. May this be a powerful time of communion, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Skip, play the video.